Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you from Hickory Ridge Community Church. So glad that you're joining us today for the Monday broadcast. Hope that you had a wonderful weekend. Hope that you had a chance to worship with your church family. And I hope that the Spirit of God was there in your presence. And I know He was there. Uh, The big question is, were you sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit this weekend? You know, your pastor spends a long time getting the message together, and he works really hard to make sure that it is biblically accurate, that it is culturally relevant, and that it will inspire you uh, to be more than you thought you could be for the cause of Christ. I love gathering together with God's people, and we are so excited about what God is doing at Hickory Ridge Community Church. As a matter of fact, in September, just a few weeks away, we are gonna be resuming the Awana program. Uh, This is a great ministry. Now, if you are interested in bringing your child or your grandchildren to the Iwana program at Hickory Ridge Community Church, we are down in the Hickory section of Chesapeake, 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South. We are south of Hickory High School, Hickory Middle School, and uh, just keep going down uh, South Battlefield Boulevard and you'll come to our church. And uh, we are so excited to be offering the Iwana ministry. Uh, Last year, we couldn't do it because of COVID, but we're back on track this year. And uh, we have a brand new opportunity for your children to be involved. And that is every Wednesday night, starting uh, the first um, Wednesday night in September at 6.30 p.m. So just come a few minutes early, get your child registered, and uh, come back and pick them up at 8. Or if you prefer, you can just stay and uh, and attend Gospel Project, or you can stay and actually go with your child as they go to each stop. Uh, They have a game time, they have a handbook time, they have a, a council time, which is a devotional time, and you are welcome to go with your children so that you can be part of their uh, increase in knowledge and their understanding of God's Word. So anyway, Wednesday nights, 6.30 uh, p.m. Well, today we're going to be rehashing what happened yesterday at Hickory Ridge Community Church. I'm so happy to announce that we have had new people join the church. We had nine families join uh, yesterday. We've got a couple more families getting ready to join this week. We are excited about what God is doing. We've been going through the book of Romans. My, this is a great passage of scripture that we're looking at today, Romans chapter two, and we're going to talk to you today and tomorrow about how do we get off track How does God uh, deal with us when we get off track? And uh, we're going to actually spell out the word tracked, T-R-A-C-K. And uh, before we get too much into the message, I want to tell you about a story of a barkeeper who sold his tavern to a local church. The church members tore out the bar, added some lights, gave the whole place a fresh new coat of paint, and installed some pews. Well, somehow, the parakeet, which belonged to the barkeeper, was left behind on that first Sunday morning. In this renovated bar, that colorful bird was watching from the rafters above. When the minister appeared, he squawked, New proprietor! New proprietor! When the men who were to lead the worship marched in, that same bird, that parakeet, piped up and said, New floor show! New floor show! But when the bird looked over about the congregation and he saw the crowd coming in, he screeched out, Same old crowd! Same old crowd! Uh, When you think about that, We think about hypocrisy. You know, every one of us battle hypocrisy. Stuart Bryce tells a story about the time when he was in business and he had to lead or deal with a co-worker. And this particular co-worker had embezzled a large sum of money from the bank, which they both worked. Now, the reason for the embezzlement was this particular businessman had two wives and families to take care of. 
two mortgages to pay, many car payments to pay. And so when he was apprehended and fired, he stunned everyone by saying, I am so very sorry for what I've done. And I need to know whether I should fulfill my preaching commitment on Sunday in our local church. Well, Brisco says uh, that in the following weeks, he spent much time mending the damage done by this man's inconsistencies. And he found that his fellow workers not only despised the man, but was also very quick to dismiss the church where he belonged and said, everybody in that church must be a bunch of hypocrites. The gospel that he professed to believe must be a lot of hogwash, and the God that he claimed to serve must be non-existent. You see, we are a testimony wherever we go. As we are walking through our lives and going to work every day and spending time with our families, people are watching us. Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor, and he was widely known for his work on spiritual formation within a church. One time he was asked, what is the greatest challenge facing the church. Well, Willard spent much of his life addressing the problems of why the church isn't raising up more people who look like Jesus, more people who act like Jesus. At the end of that two-hour interview, Willard was asked, when you look at how off track the church is, do you ever just throw up your hands in despair? Willard smiled and said, never. But how can you not, the interview asked, because Willard said, I know Christ, and he is the head of his church, and he knows exactly what he is doing. Well, I want you to know God knows exactly what he is doing. Well, here's a really bad dad joke, right? Before we get into this really serious subject of what happens when we get off track, here is my really bad dad joke today. Why is the fungus such a hypocrite? Because it doesn't have mushroom to talk. Ah, that was really bad. I know that's really bad. But I hope that that will at least allow you to chuckle just a little bit because what we're talking about today is a really, really serious subject. I want to look at five areas of hypocrisy, five areas that we get off track on. And as you spell out this word track, now I do this more for my benefit than yours, so I can kind of keep my focus on where we're going with the message. As we look at the book of Romans, if you've been joining us on Mondays and Tuesdays for the last four or five weeks, we have spent four messages just on chapter number one of Romans. And we talked about the depravity of man. We talked about how the power of the gospel is able to change people, but how many people reject the gospel. Anyone who says no to the gospel, this amazing gospel, has certain consequences that they're going to face. You see, we discovered that God has given every one of us a choice. It's called the power of a choice. You know, you have the opportunity to make choices, and uh, you have control over those choices. You can pretty much do anything that you want. You can say anything that you want. You can go anywhere that you want to go. You can believe anything that you want. Uh, You make choices in your life. As a matter of fact, I was reading one time that the average person will make 3,500 choices every single day. Now, if you're incarcerated, those choice numbers go down to about 1,500. Uh, So one of the the downsides about being incarcerated is you have the number of choices in your life reduced. You see, God has given us a free will. God has given us the opportunity to make choices. But one thing that we don't have power over 
We don't have power over the consequences of our choices. So all of chapter one deals with the power of the gospel and the consequences of those who repeatedly say no to God. You know, God always answers our prayers and he will oblige us as we pray. Even if you're an unbeliever, if you say, no, I don't want God in my life, eventually God says, okay, I'm not going to force myself upon you. I'm going to give you over to yourself. So in chapter number one, we dealt with all those who reject the gospel. Chapter number two, in our broadcast last week, we talked about those who are religious people. Specifically, Paul was looking at more along the lines of of those who claim to know Christ and those who are on the lines of maybe the Pharisees and the scribes. And uh, and as he's dealing with them, uh, there's a lot of application to our lives personally. And Paul talked about the judgment that they would face, that we face, if we claim to live one way or, or preach one way and then live another way. As we looked at chapter number two, we talked about how religious people will be judged. Today, we're in the second half of chapter number two of Romans, beginning at verse number 17. And Paul is going to address not just religious people, but Jewish people. Now, there is a direct application for us today. So don't feel like we're beating up on the Jews. Uh, We're not. What we are doing is we are sharing how God is going to take those who are in a position of really great blessing and how they're held to a higher accountability. Now, Americans, we don't like to get audited. I remember many years ago, uh, I got audited, and it seems like I I got audited two or three years in a row by the IRS. Uh, Did you know that one out of four Americans are afraid of being audited? You know, that number actually increases if you're a man, and that number actually increases as you get older. Now, the reason I think it increases as you get older is because you're more afraid of being audited because you have more to lose. I remember when my, when my kids were just starting to learn how to drive. I tell them, now listen, be very careful. Don't get into an accident. You know, be a cautious driver. You know, be a driver who is always, you know, a defensive driver. And, uh, and I would tell them, I said, now listen, if you get in an accident and you get sued uh, because you live in my house, they might come after me too. And I said, you don't have a whole lot to lose, but I've got a whole lot more to lose than you do. So please be careful when you're driving. Well, one out of four Americans are afraid of being audited, and as you get older, that number actually increases. And so today's message is one of those messages that you may not really want to listen to, uh, but is a message that is very timely because one day, every one of us will be judged. You know, the Bible is very clear. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. Well, let's make sure that our lives are on track because these are the areas I believe that we're going to be judged according to. Letter T stands for teaching. Let's look at Romans chapter 2, verse 17 to 21. Paul says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and you boast in God, if you know his will and you approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? So we see, first of all, we're going to be judged upon what we teach, what we instruct. In other words, we better not be one of those people who say, do as I say, not as I do. 
Jeremiah 8.8 addresses this matter. You see, this is not a new teaching that is only for New Testament believers. In Jeremiah 8.8, Jeremiah asks a very penetrating question. He says, how can you say, we are wise, we have the law of the Lord, when in actuality, you are the lying pen of the scribes, and you have handled it falsely? Jeremiah is basically saying, you claim to be wise because you are recipients of the law. He's talking to the Jews. And he says, you actually are not wise because you are not living in accordance to what you have instructed others in doing. In James chapter 3, we're reminded, not many of you should become teachers. Not many of you should jump into this profession of teaching. And James tells us, because teachers will be judged more strictly. Now, I quote that verse not to discourage you to teach. I quote that verse to you to encourage you that if you are a teacher, and by the way, everybody pretty much is a teacher. You all listening to me today in one shape or another or one form or another, you are influencing somebody. If you're a parent, you're a teacher to your children. Uh, If you're a boss at work, you have people that you're teaching who are under you. If you're a leader within your church, uh, if you have a neighbor and you're sharing with your neighbor, you're teaching them the things of God. You see, every one of us have the opportunity to teach. Some have a bigger platform and some have a larger audience, maybe a broader approach to, to reaching more people. But all of us must understand that because we are teachers, we will be judged more strictly. So here's a couple questions we want to look at. Number one is, is my teaching inspired by my example? If I am a teacher, and if I claim to know the will of God, I am making a judgment call because I'm a teacher. In other words, I am in a position that is superior. I am teaching somebody something that they don't know. Now, ideally, I will know more about this subject than my students. That's why I am put in this position of teaching But we must make sure that if we're in this position, that what we are teaching is accurate. Not only is it accurate because we've studied the Word of God, but it's accurate in that we are living out what we actually claim to teach. So if you believe you are a guide to the lost, that's what Paul says, if you are teaching children, do you first teach yourself? You see, teachers who have been faithful to proclaim truth and demonstrate godly living will receive rewards according to their work. Now, here's the good thing about this judgment. When God looks at you and he says, you know what? You are teaching accurately and you are right on cue. And your life is matching what you're teaching. At the end of your life, Jesus is going to say this. And this is found in Luke 19, 17. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the little things that are going to make you ruler over mighty things. The opposite is those who desire to become teachers because of selfish motors. Uh, some people like to teach because they like the, uh, uh, the, the, the power that comes along with teaching others. They like the applause of men. They like to sometimes use their position as a source of manipulation. I want you to know they have already received their reward. Jesus actually addresses those who like to teach and manipulate others in Matthew 6, verses 2 and 4. And he says, such teachers will be judged more strictly, but they will stand empty-handed before the king. Why? Because they like to teach for the applause of men, and that will be their reward. But when they stand before the king of kings and the Lord of lords, they will be empty-handed. So today, if you are teaching, 
I ask you, are you inspiring others by your lifestyle? Well, the second thing that Paul looks at is found in verses 25 through 29. We're going to be judged upon what we teach and how we live out what we teach, but we're also going to be judged upon ritualism. Now, this is found in verses 25 to 29, Romans chapter 2. Paul says, circumcision has value. In other words, it's profitable, okay? Now, we could put in there next to the word circumcision a ritual that we are very familiar with, baptism or communion, or we could say our giving or our serving. These are things that are good things, they have value, they are profitable, but Paul says if you observe the law, it is profitable, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. In other words, you're not identified with Christ. Now let me go back to give you a brief history of where circumcision comes in to matters of faith. Now today, most men or most male children are circumcised uh, before they come home from the hospital. As a matter of fact, generally that's the, one of the last things they do before they send your little boy home with you is they have him circumcised and then they send him home. Circumcision today is more done for health reasons than religious reasons. However, when you go back to the Old Testament and you look at the life of Abraham, do you remember that God called Abraham out of the Earl of the Chaldees? God says, Abraham, you are going to have many descendants You are going to be the father of all the faithful. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Well, Abraham had many sons, as you know. His descendants were more numerous than all the stars in the sky. They were greater than all the sand on the seashore. The descendants of Abraham were those who received the faith. They were to be the ones that were passed the faith along. It was through the lineage of Abraham that Jesus was going to be born. Abraham was called a man of faith because he was saved by faith, and he was given this tremendous opportunity to pass that faith along. Now, how did everybody know that Abraham was set apart for this task? Because he was circumcised. Abraham began this rite of circumcision as an outward indication that he had that inward faith in the coming of the Messiah. So all the descendants of Abraham would also be circumcised as an outward expression of the fact that they were chosen by God to bring the message of redemption to all of humanity. Now, circumcision is great, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. In other words, circumcision in and of itself is a ritualism that can be misconstrued. In verse 26, Paul says, so then if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirement, will they not be regarded as those who were circumcised? So Paul's saying here that circumcision physically is not the most important thing that happens to you. It's what happens within you. Are you changed? Paul says in verse 27, the one who is not circumcised physically and yet observes the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, you're a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely an outward and a physical expression. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the written code. Now, this is some good stuff when you think about it. Now, I think about baptism as a great ritual. 
It is a symbol of an inward faith. But as one preacher said, you can go down a wet center and come back up a wet center. It's not the rite of baptism that makes the difference in your life. It is an outward expression of the fact that you are changed. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is done away with, and behold, all has become new, and now you are identifying with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And so you get baptized as a statement of faith. You get baptized as a public profession of your faith. Now, Paul had a lot to say about circumcision because in that day, that was the one ritual that was constantly being abused. In Galatians chapter 6, he says, it is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that means anything. What counts is the new creation. So Paul addresses this in Romans. He addresses it in Galatians. As a matter of fact, let's dig deeper into what Paul has to say about this subject. If you may, uh, if you will indulge me for just a moment, as we look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 17, Paul says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, let me give you a little background here in verse number 11. Paul is saying here, there are some people who are forcing the Galatian believers to be circumcised. Now, let me give you the understanding of what is going on here. Gentile believers were coming into the churches of Galatia. And Jewish believers were saying of them, they must be circumcised. They must be circumcised if they're going to be part of the church. Now, their motives were not pure. They had ulterior motives for forcing people to be circumcised. Paul says they were doing it in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross. Paul says in verse number 13, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So we learn, first of all here, they were forcing circumcision on Gentile believers because they didn't want to be persecuted. Jews did not be, want to be persecuted. Now, in order to understand this, we must understand that Christianity was a sect of Judaism. The Jews were protected from Roman oppression, from persecution, because they were part of a protected faith. They were Jews. They were recognized as a protected faith. When the church began and had Gentiles joining the church, they were not circumcised. Persecution was coming into the church, and their reasoning was this. Listen, you don't know, you're not a protected group anymore. You are no longer Jews only. You're allowing Gentiles to come in. So their argument was, let's get everybody circumcised. And by getting them circumcised, we will not be persecuted for identifying with Christ. We'll say, well, we're really Jews. Also, we discover they were not being circumcised, or or they were circumcised so they could be boasting in the flesh. In other words, they wanted to have bragging rights. They wanted to say, well, look at all these Gentiles that we convinced that that needed to to be circumcised. So Paul addresses this matter in verse number 14 of Galatians chapter 6. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but what counts is being a new creation. Paul here is reminding us again that if he's going to boast about something, he's not going to boast about a ritual that he has performed. 
that would bring glory to himself for performing it, he is boasting on Christ, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse number 16, As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Well, there's one other verse that I want to share with you on this matter of circumcision. We've looked at what Paul said to the Romans. We looked at what he said to the Galatians. In Philippians 3.3, he said, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Oh, my brothers and sisters of Christ, I want to remind you that uh, everything that you teach, you'll give an account of. All the rituals that you go through are very important. Uh, I'm not saying don't do the rituals. I'm saying that make sure that your heart is right. And that is an, an expression of the changed life that is within you. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I hope that you'll consider uh, joining us for worship on Sunday at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock at Hickory Ridge Community Church. And if you'd like to support our ministry, man, you are welcome to send a contribution in. Now, make sure you give your tithes to your church first. And then if you'd like to give an offering to us, we'd be happy to receive that. Hickory Ridge Community Church, 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. And those of you who have contacted me, thank you so much for contacting me. I love to get the emails and love to get the phone calls. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.